This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. Finding rest in Jesus from the cares of this life is absolutely essential for our spiritual well-being long-term. But how and where do you find this rest? How important is it and what can we do to find it? Well, Exodus 33 gives us a lot of clues on how to find the rest we need in Christ from the pace of this life. And so on today's podcast, we'll learn the secret to true rest in the midst of the difficulty of the desert and how we can start today finding the peace and rest necessary for a healthy Christian life. I'm interested in verses 10 through 17 of Exodus 33. The text reads, As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of the tent, they would stand up, then bow and worship each one at the door of his tent. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you've told me, lead this people up, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. Now if I indeed have found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you, so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And he replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Following the events of Exodus 32, the Lord proposed an interesting plan of action. After the debacle that included Aaron and the people's idolatry, and the golden calf that supposedly mysteriously appeared from the fire, God's anger raged against his people. Their impatience, waiting on Moses, who had ascended up in the mountain, in the cloud, to meet with God, had incited them to give up on God, his plan, and his leader. They said, we don't know what's happened to this Moses, but we need to move on from this place. This impatience led to their ignorance of God and all that he had done for them, and eventually led to their own idolatry. They threw their rings in the fire, the very jewelry that God's deliverance from Egypt had procured for them, and fashioned a golden calf out of them. They had made God in their image and had said that this golden calf had delivered them. Can you just imagine the frustration of Moses here? who'd been swept up into the very presence of God, rehearsing the plans to build a dwelling in which God could be with his people. And yet at the same time, these very people are at the bottom of the mountain, 
now presumably trading this God who longed to be with them for a golden calf that they themselves had forged in the fires of their impatience. No wonder Moses threw down the tablets of stone. What good were they when the people were so bent on their own rebellion? It is interesting to me that God calls them Moses' people, and yet Moses calls them God's people. At this shameful juncture, neither Moses nor God wanted to own this people as their own, given their brazen idolatry and shameful actions. And yet God is intent on obliterating them for their rebellion. And so Moses intercedes with God on behalf of the people, on the basis of God's own promises and his fame among the nations. Indeed, God had chosen this people from the very beginning to be the stage upon which we learn of God's revelation and faithfulness. And so Moses asked the Lord, how would it look now after all of this, after you having delivered them and promised to return them to the land in the eyes of the other nations, how would it look only to destroy them now in the desert? This was the epicenter of Moses' intercession. God's fame among the nations was at stake. His faithfulness and fidelity to his covenant promises hung in the balance. And it is this prayerful intercession that assuaged the wrath of God on these sinful people. Chapter 33 opens with God telling Moses that he will clear out the land for the people, but he won't go with them. He just can't bear with their rebellion and his patience and long-suffering would be tested too much were he to go with them into the land. And so instead, he will fulfill his promise to them by wiping out their enemies and allowing them to take the land without him. Because of their stubborn, stiff-necked ways, God can't bear to be with this people. At this, Moses enters the tent of meeting to intercede for them. As he does, the people bow and worship at the entrance of their tents as Moses enters God's tent to plead on their behalf. Moses begins his prayer to God by reminding God of what he's already told him. He rehearses with God how God had known him by name and how he had found favor in God's sight. And then he prays, Lord, teach me your ways and I will know you so that I might find favor with you. Now watch what Moses said here. He says basically, you've known me and found favor in me, but I still need to know you and find favor with you. Moses wants to know God as much as God knows Moses. This is the beautiful heart cry of a follower of God. And then he reminds God that these are indeed his people. At this, God replies, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What an incredible response. God knew that Moses would need the rest that he would only find in God's presence. This rest would come from this understanding that these people are God's people. Who these people belong to is absolutely crucial to Moses' longevity as a leader. If he owns these broken, rebellious people for himself, he and they will both die in the wilderness from exhaustion. This was a people who had done nothing but complain since leaving Egypt. About the heat and the water and the food, God had given them manna from heaven, water from rocks, a tabernacle where he would dwell with them, and all the while, all they had done was to complain, disobey, and rebel. How forgetful they were. If Moses was to survive, it would come from resting in the Lord's presence. 
It was his refuge from these ungrateful, impossible people in the presence of God that would sustain him in the midst of the desert. The knowledge that they were God's people and not his was vital to his spiritual renewal. The understanding that they were that they were the Lord's kept him in a place of stewardship and not ownership, and this was rest to his weary soul. The final point here is found in verse 15. Look at Moses' response. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that your people and I have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Moses wanted him and these people to be marked by the presence of God. Now, as I think about these verses, as it relates to leadership in God's church, there will be seasons in our life where the people's disdain for God's commandments will be intensely discouraging, where it feels like there will be nothing but complaining and disobedience and rebellion despite all of God's goodness around us. In these seasons, leaders in God's church, like Moses, need to rest in the Lord's presence all the more. We have to remember that these are God's people and not ours. That ultimately God owns them and us and that he knows us by name. Sure, it can be tempting in this season for leaders to just want to coast. But is this all the more reason, like Moses, to beg God to teach us his ways? Does the pace and difficulty of leadership drive us to a more profound dependence upon God and his ways? Or does it discourage us from thinking that all of this is too much and that we need to back away from some responsibility? Now more than ever, leaders in this current climate need to beg God to go with us, to teach us his ways, to find favor in his sight. For as much as God knows and enables and empowers us, we have to ask ourselves, do we know? Are we driven to learn more of his ways so that we can lead like Jesus? Are we the type of people whose inability and insufficiency in our roles draws us into the presence of God to find rest and empowerment to lead God's people? Do we find rest from the pace of life in the presence of Jesus at the top of the mountain or in the abdication of our responsibility and our amusement at the bottom of the mountain? Are we more like Moses, in the cloud, in the mountain with God, finding direction and rest? Or are we more likely to be found at the base of the mountain, surrounded by the voices of impatient men, who would like nothing more than to consume upon our own lest the idolatry of amusement and the abdication of our fidelity to God and His Word? Will He find us waiting for Him, or impatiently amusing ourselves with our own idolatry? Where do we live as leaders, and where does our allegiance lie? In the mountain with God, or in the valley with impatient men? Are we unwilling to move forward without the Lord's presence infecting our daily decisions? Are we content to lead from our own strength, casting the talents and abilities that God has given us into the fire, and expecting golden calves to emerge from our vanity and pride? 
Instead of acknowledging our insufficiency and desperate need to learn God's ways privately, we instead intuitively seem to make idols out of our own abilities and capabilities. God, help us to be a people marked by your presence so that the world may know who God is and what he can do for his people. Help us to see your glory and be so transformed by it that our lives and decisions and demeanor and thought process are all so infected with it that it is abundantly apparent to all that God is in our midst. Jesus, this is a marvelous truth. Forgive us for the impatience that spawns our idolatry. May we find rest in your presence. May we remember that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. May that knowledge bring us to a place of rest and dependence on you. Show us your ways. Help us to be marked by your presence. For if you don't go with us, don't let us go from here. What we need most is not our capability or even our rest. What we need most is your presence. Never let us forget that. In your name. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.